Welcome to episode 35 of the Lonely Fan Sports Show. I'm Josh Anderson. In this episode, we will talk about the final round of the Monster Energy Supercross Series, round 17 from Utah. Well, it really doesn't have the same ring to it as Las Vegas. And that's where we will begin. And, I, you know, in 2018, my wife and I took a vacation and uh, we went to a three-state uh, trip. We went to, uh, you know, Arizona, Las Vegas, and California. And it just so happened when we uh, took the vacation tri trip, um, Vegas Supercross was going to be there. And we went. It was awesome. We saw three championships. We watched uh, Jason Anderson capture his championship, Plessinger win his, and so did Zach Osborne. And the track was so-so, but... Obviously, watching the Vegas Supercross and uh, whenever you're watching 2015, watching Dungey Tomac, 2016, Rocks and Dungey, and then 2017, obviously, the uh, bunching stuff. So, I, when we get to 2022, I understand, you know, failed as a business, but we have to get Supercross ending in a stadium in Vegas I understand that we're no, probably not going to come back to Sam Boyd Stadium or something, but I don't know. The track that we went, that the Supercross went to the 42-second lap times, that was terrible. Now, I understand before the entire uh, pandemic hit that they were going to go outside the stadium to begin with, so I, I don't understand. They, they could have done that this time around, and I, I, I don't know what was going on here, but... They could have done that this time around too, and I don't know. May hopefully in future years they're able to correct this issue. And like I said, in 2022, for the love of God, fix the tracks. Go to longer tracks. But I, I, I spoke about enough about that in my podcast. But I think that ending the season in Las Vegas is the way to go. Utah, you're a great city, and you pay a lot of money to Feld. But end the season of Vegas. That's what all the riders probably want to do anyway. It's closer to California where a lot of the riders are going to get ready for motocross season. And it's just viewing pleasure and everything. But they got a new stadium going there anyway. So let's go. All right, let's talk about the races. And after, I'm going to talk about the season for next season two a little bit also after i talk about the the races here cooper webb eighth win of the season what else is there to say i uh i thought there was going to be a chance ability that when you look at how he won the 2019 championship he china he rode his own race didn't uh push it and eli tomac won that race it, it was also vegas where T tomac Outside of Dungey, Tomac does very well in uh, in Vegas, but here is Utah, and uh, obviously Webb is on another level this season, especially when the tracks are in a very short variant, and he did it here. Uh, obviously, 
Ken Roxton got out to an early early lead, but you could tell that Cooper Webb had a very much quicker pace than than Roxton, and they were playing games with each other. But at this point, the championship was over because Roxton has faded and crashed way too many times this season, and it was just going to be there was no chance a chance ability for him to even to win his championship. So. The real surprise was Chase Sexton passing uh, everybody. And I thought Chase was going to be gone. I'll get to him in a little bit. But um, Cooper got uh, was able to pass Roxton. And then I thought Cooper Webb was going to probably get second place. But he, was, uh, he found a way to catch back up to Sexton. I don't know if Sexton got tired, but... Cooper Webb found another gear that we haven't really seen since maybe, uh, you know, Tomac. It, it's not the same level of another gear, but it's another gear. And Cooper Webb found it and passed it, took the lead, eighth win of the season. It's the first, it, it realistically, it is the first winner of a champion of the final round of the series since 2016. And that, that was Dungey. And that's that's uh, ends a five-year drought because normally the champion has not been wanting to win the last race of the season. So that's an interesting tidbit there. Uh, Cooper Webb ends the season at 388 points. That's the most he has ever scored in a season, and he keeps winning up, winning on the win total. I was trying to think about when I started this podcast where I view him on the all-time rankings at this point in time. When I think about Cooper Webb, at the moment in time, in championships alone, he is now tied with Chad Reed and James Stewart as the recent uh, champions. Now, I kind of... I kind of want to argue this in my head, and I kind of have—I I hate to say this, but I understand that he's kind of beaten Tomac in the last two championships. Uh, sorry, in the last two out of three championships, but Tomac has almost 20, 20 more wins than him, and one Supercross championship where Tomac dominated the twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. And 2020 championship. So I kind of have, even with one championship, I kind of still have Eli above Cooper Webb. And, and that's hard for me to say. And obviously, even though he has equal number of championships with uh, Chad Reed and James Stewart, they have they have thir- almost 30 more wins in terms of Stewart. Stewart has forty, almost 40 more wins than... Uh, uh, Cooper Webb. So, I I don't I don't have the him in the same league, not even in Dungey or Villapoto league, even for Supercross or Motocross. I I, I just don't. He, he's a tier below all of them, and I, I understand he just clinched his championship, and that's awful to say, but realistically, I, I look at this field and the fields that they were going against. And I, I, when when Villapoto was winning his championship, he was going against Stewart, Dungey, Chad Reed, 
when Dungey won his rookie championship. Now I understand there were a couple of injuries. But even when Dungey won his 2015 championship, 16 and 17, he was going up against Roxon, Tomac, uh, even Reedy was in that. I, I just, Villapoto was going up. I, I just, I just feel in my heart that just Cooper Webb is just a, t- a tidge bit below in my tier stats. What, he, 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 what, uh, Cooper Webb has to do in the future to get up to at least maybe a Chad Reed, a Ryan Dungy, a Ryan Villapoto. Get he has to get get up the four championships, but he has to be at least competitive outdoors. Uh, he has not been competitive outdoors at all. Now injuries has been a problem in that area. Uh, he has not been he has not been able to complete uh, a complete season at all indoors and outdoors. He's pulled out almost of every season he has competed outdoors. So when you're looking at the double champion, there hasn't been a double champion since Dungey, and that was uh, 2015. Dungey is pretty much the last one to do it in 2010 and 2015. Villapoto did it in 2013, so it, it's hard to do. Tomac even has not been able to do it. So Cooper Webb, like I said, it's just he's just a notch below the top tiers of the greatest of all time. But good for him. He clinches his second championship, and he's moving on to try to get a repeat within that championship. Marvin Muscan gets second place. He was able to get Chase Sexton. Now, during the middle of the race, I, I felt maybe there's a possibility that Marvin Muscan was going to be able to pass Cooper Webb. Uh, there was a little bit instance where I thought Marvin was riding a greater pace. I don't think there was necessarily going to be team motors. Uh, but that race, maybe there was going to be, in essence, a little bit of spark from that win. Marvin had good starts, and he was riding a good pace. The whoop section actually did not look like it was holding him up at all. His his whoops are good. And uh, speaking of whoops that were really, really good was Chase Sexton. Oh, my God. that The beginning whoop section when he passed Roxon Webb for the lead, that, though, that was the fastest I've ever seen a man... Go through a whoop section. That speed was elite. I just wow. When uh, Chase Sexton got third, when uh, when Chase got the lead, I thought he was going to check out. I, I legitimately thought he was he was going to be gone. And then all of a sudden, Cooper Webb, like I said, found his gear and passed Chase Sexton. But the amount of speed that Sexton found and got it i was like oh my god uh chase is going to be a man on a mission next season for a chance to win a championship for a year two in my estimation uh dylan ferrandez fourth uh this is his best result from at uh, his podium uh at round two so uh and he had a decent start here this is this has been his his mo is bad starts 
But uh, at before the main event started, uh, Dylan Ferrandez uh, was uh, anointed the 2021 AMA Rookie of the Year. Uh, a lot of people were questioning on Twitter why Chase Sexton had did not get it. The fact of the matter is, is that it goes by points, and Dylan Ferrandez has been basically raced all 17 races. Chase Sexton, even though he has averaged better results, uh, Chase Sexton's average finish has been 8.7. Dylan Ferrandez's finish has been 9.2. So either way, it, it's just one of those things where Dylan has run a great, uh, has won a great pace. It's just the starts have been just dreadful. I could go either way. I, I think the AMA would, if Chase would have won a race, one of the last few races, they would have had a more of an uproar towards giving Dylan that. But the fact of the matter is, Chase didn't win a race. So they still went by their old scheme of going by points. And Dylan was the AMA um, Rookie of the Year. Uh, Chase won the uh, Motocross Rookie of the Year. So... He's got that going for him. Uh, Dylan Ferrandez. I think Chase won that. All right, that actually also might have gone to AC. I can't remember on top of my head. Uh, M- M- Malcolm Stewart, fifth place. Uh, good for him on that. Backs up the podium he had the previous week. Uh, he finishes sixth place in points. He was battling with Jason Anderson for that. Jason had, I'll get to him in a little bit. Malcolm Stewart, it will be interesting to see what happens to him going into 2022. Uh, No word yet on contract situation on any of the news stories or podcasts I listen to. It is basically no information at all. Uh, No word on contract extension for him. He finished sixth in points. And uh, obviously, I think last season he finished fifth, so that's one position off. But his uh, teammate is the one who beat him. But either way, Malcolm showed extremely consistent speed, finished top tens in mostly all the races this season. And you would have to believe that Yamaha is going to resign him. So, either way, Joey Savacci, sixth place, showed pretty darn good speed the final race of the season. You kind of you kind of wonder where was this the majority of the year? Uh, he he kind of got a little, little bit of TV time when he passed Roxon, so uh, he got, uh, that race got him top ten in points. So uh, moving on, uh, Justin Barsha rough race for him seventh bad start, uh, still got fourth in points. It's just going to be one of those things where. Moving on to outdoors. At least this. Uh, now the Salt Lake last two Salt Lake cities did not go well for him, but it was not that disaster of 2020 for him. Aaron Plessinger eighth place, uh, top tens for him. Have to be ready to go to outdoors. Eli Tomac, I caramba, he won another. Heat race. Got a great start in the heat race. Dominated. Looked to be the man to beat. for This This happened for the uh, second race heat race in a row. And it, it was just going to be like 
Is this going to be Eli's night? And then gets a poor start in the main event. Goes down twice, and that was all she wrote. And that's that's going to be... What does that mean for outdoors? I, it's just... I want to pick him to win the outdoor championship, but then these results this year just make me hesitant. So I don't know who I'm going to pick for my outdoor champion, but I'm scared to pick him because I was dead set... I picked him to win this Supercross championship, and that ended up being a terrible pick. All right, let's get to it. Ken Roxon. I, I, I don't know what. Ha- I don't know. It. He started out where. He started out the whole shot again. He looked like he didn't look like the fastest guy out there. Um, not at all. He he uh, looked like Cooper Webb was going to ma- make some moves on him, and uh, obviously you could tell early and often that Cooper Webb was going to pass him, and then even Marvin Muscan was going to pass him, and then after uh, you know after he made a mistake, and then all the riders started getting him, and then you can you could tell he was just mentally done. And he just wanted to get the race over with. It was just disappointing to see. And you can't blame any medical issues on that. At that point, that was all mental. That That's all that was. And it was just hard to see. And it was just... It was just one of those things where... What is... How is 2022 going to be any different for him? You know, he says he's better at outdoors, but, you know, how is it going to be any different? It's, it's just going to be, is is the 2022 Supercross season going to be any different for you when everyone can see you can be mentally broken like that? So, 11th, Dean Wilson, good for him. Max Anstein, career best 12th. Benny Bloss, thank you from a fantasy team, 13th. Tyler Bowers, season best, 14th. Kyle Chisholm, 15th. Good for him on the final race of the season, coming back for injury. He's got to be happy with that. I don't think he'll be doing outdoors. Brock Tickle, 16th. Uh, 17th, Justin Starling. 18th, Alex Ray. He had a hell of a start in the LCQ from the outside. Made a lot of moves to make it in the main event. Uh... Kate Clayson, 19th. I guess he had some ugly rims, people were saying on uh, Twitter. I didn't get to see them, but uh, apparently they were ugly as hell. Uh, Frederick Noren, 20th. Joan Cross, 21st. And then uh, Jason Anderson, he had a rough main event. Didn't have a good start, and then it was getting into it. Uh, they showed on TV with getting into it with Justin Barsha. Pulled off, the word is, uh, elevation sickness, so... It's just going to be that actually dropped him in points from potentially sixth place all the way down to eighth place in points because he tied with Dylan Ferrandez. But Dylan, since he got multiple second places, or I mean, sorry, um, since he got second place, the tiebreaker goes to Dylan. So if we look at the points here, uh, we'll kind of just go through the season a little bit for a few of the guys, a little bit of a mini season review. Uh, so Cooper Webb. He uh, 
Good for him. He gets uh, first place, obviously. He is the champion. Eight wins on the year. When you look at the year, he he re-signed his deal. So, obviously, he was going to be the highest man paid on the team. That That's realistically all that you're... That's all you're going to ask for. He, he had a questionable start to the year. Uh, it, it was kind of scary. Nobody really knew what was going to happen. But then when he caught on, he won three races of the roll in Arlington, got the points lead away from Kenny, and wound up winning eight, which is the most he's ever won in a season. And uh, the one weakness that he has going forward is going to be... Uh, obviously, in 2022 and beyond, we are probably going to go towards more of the longer style tracks. And um, obviously, those are going to be more weaknesses for him because we're going to be, in 2022, we will be going, uh, the world's going to be more normal than ever. And that's, that's, that's a fact. So Anaheim, San Diego, uh, so the baseball tra- baseball. Diamond tracks are coming back. Arizona is coming back. Um, Maybe a little bit more speedway tracks are coming back, which are going to require longer lap times, more speed, which uh, Cooper Webb tends to struggle with more raw speed tracks. So that actually tends to feature more of a Chase Sexton or Ken Roxton style of tracks, which... Uh, Cooper Webb is going to have to adjust to. Uh, now I think that's uh, we'll have to see what happens, but I think there is going to be less 40-second lap, lap lap times, and we'll have to see who will adapt to that more in 2022. But Cooper Webb, he can do it. I don't. I think this coming up in outdoors, which I will do a preview for the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Series here coming up. But overall, Cooper Webb, he, he did what he needed to do in the stadiums he did, and good for him. Ken Roxon, he won four races on the year. Uh, he swept the Indianapolis races. And if you don't know, this is the hard thing about this whole championship. If he didn't have the penalty and if he didn't have the Dean Wilson debacle, if he would have had that points lead that high, where would we be today? It, it's That was a lot of points right there. Would he have mentally declined? We don't know. This was his... I, I don't know if this was his strongest season. Some people might say it was. I actually argue his 2016 season is his best season. When I look at Ken Roxon and, and this season... 2016 is his best season overall. And I understand Dungey won 10 races that year. But towards the end of the year, Ken Roxon was dominating. And he actually had a little bit more speed than Dungey. But, you know, Dungey was just kind of kind of tailing off towards the end of the year, just protecting the championship lead. But Roxon was, was actually showing more speed. So I think 2016 was... Roxton's best year that and leading into 2017 going to be his best year so we'll see where Roxton goes in 2022 if you can mentally recover from this we'll see what happens per the outdoors because outdoors is going to be a big we'll even see if he even does outdoors but 
Uh, well, he he does have more speed than uh, Cooper Webb at the outdoors. So it's, uh, realistically, kind of depends upon where his health goes. And he likes to bike and everything, but for the Supercross season, just disappointing and you, disappointing and. You just don't never know what would happen if those two things didn't happen and them cost them this points. Eli Tomac. Uh, this season kind of reminded me of 2016. And I, I don't recall any injury. It was kind of a morph between 2016 and 2019 without injury. It was I, I don't know. Uh, it, it started out weird in the first round with him getting into it with uh, Vince Freezy. And then it went, it, and then he won round two, but it was, a convinced, it was not a convincing win. And then he didn't get a win until Daytona. And, I, he, and then he got a win in Atlanta, and then that was it. So I don't know where we're at with Eli Tomac going forward. Uh, if in 2022, if we have longer tracks, like uh, and we have longer featured, tr- um, if we have ca- more California tracks, if we have uh, tracks like in 2020, maybe he. Uh, this is also pending if he has a two-year contract. He might have a chance to win another championship. He he might. If we have a season like we did this year, he might not have another chance to win a championship. As a few people have said, this upcoming outdoor season is where we will find out what the future will hold for Eli Tomac. Uh, he is one of my favorite riders. Um, I, I mean, right now I don't have like an all-time favorite rider because that was Dungey. But... Going up for Tomac from Geico Honda, that was he was one of my favorite riders to watch. Um, and then I didn't really want him to win because I was a Dungey guy, but this is disappointing to watch because I liked him in the 250 days. And watching him now, it's just like, where is this? Where's the speed? And watching him in 10th place is not ninth, 10th place is not what I want to watch from. Eli Tom- Tomac, watching him crash, spin out, is just something that's I'm, I'm just not used to seeing. Justin Barsha, he will finish fourth place in points. He won one race this season. That was the opener. And everything else was kind of all over the place again. It was a little bit more consistent in the middle of the year, obviously, uh, in where, which was wonderful to see a lots and lots of fourth places. And that was because he was basically got a, like a fourth place start, and that's where he was. Maybe if he would have got maybe just an inch better worth of start, maybe he would have won. But once he got behind the leaders, that's kind of where he stayed. Now, the one thing I will say about Tomac is he couldn't get past Barsha this year. And every other year, Tomac could get past people. Well, in the beginning of the year, he was stuck behind Barsha a lot of the year, and that was good for Barsha. Uh, Barsha, it will be interesting to see what he does next year. He does have a two-year contract, so we will see him the following year. And after that, next year might be the final year we might see of Justin Barsha. I don't know. Aaron Plessinger, fifth place. 
This was realistically a breakout year for Aaron Plessinger. Uh, he got a podium at Daytona, and he followed that up with consistent top five to top six finishes in the points. That's why he finished fifth in the points. Uh, for Aaron Plessinger, this is the first time he's finished the entire year healthy. Uh, there is reports that he might go to KTM. Uh, he's he's going to have to make a long, hard decision because uh, he's gonna, it's going to be a change for his family going to Florida because that's going to have probably go to the Alden Bakers program. And it's going to be a big hole for Yamaha. But uh, Yamaha has riders coming up. Obviously, Justin Cooper and Colt Nichols on that team in 2023. So, obviously, there's budget budgetary issues going on there. They have Ferrandez that they have on the team. And, you know, they probably are. You know, that's going to maybe sixth place Malcolm Stewart, which I'll talk about in a second. But for Plessinger... It's a career year for him. The best finishes. He looked like a lot of heat races. He was on Cooper Webb. The one thing I will say about Plessinger and a lot of his races this year, the one thing I kind of got a little frustrated watching him just a little bit is I feel like he didn't make aggressive enough passes. I feel like he was a little passive aggressive in some areas. If he would ride it up a little bit on like maybe, I understand it's Cooper Webb, but if you just get a little bit right in there, make some aggressive passes, you could get a little bit more positioning and get a little bit more points. So you'd maybe get a little bit closer in Justin Barsha in the points. But other than that, Aaron Plessinger, you have to be happy about the top five in points. Uh, Malcolm Stewart, sixth place in points, a little bit worse in the points positioning. But other than that, extremely consistent. Only one bad race in, uh, in the year, and that was Atlanta 2. You have to be happy about that. You got your first podium of your career, and you only got a few more few more years left. It, no idea if he's going to be racing outdoors this year. And as I said earlier in this pod, we still don't know where he is going to be racing in 2022. Uh, I have to expect that Yamaha might want to resign him. He's extremely popular in the pits, fans, and social media. So it would be fool's errand if Yamaha did not resign him. Dylan Fernandez, seventh place. Uh, it, it's one of those things where what could have been for Dylan Fernandez? There were times in the races where you, you would look at his lap times and they were matching the leaders within the race and that was within traffic. But the problem with Dylan Ferrandez, and it's the same exact problem that he has in the 250 class, and that is he just, he can't get the starts. And I said that numerous times in the podcast, is that he just, he can't get starts. And he's not working with DV that much, apparently, and that might hurt him in the end. And that's, it's it's. If you are a Dylan Ferrandez fan in the world, you need to get him better on starts or he will he will be the Mike Larocco of this generation and he has no chance to win a championship because he will never beat a Chase Sexton. He will never beat an Adam Cincerello or a Cooper Webb overall because he can't get starts. 
Eli Tomac is erratic on starts, but even he can pull a start every once every once in a while. Dylan Fernandez can never pull a start, so there's that. Uh, Jason Anderson got eighth in points. Uh, show beginning of the year was awful. Um, he admitted something was wrong early in the season, but once he got going, he was showing pace. He was number one qualifier. He got a podium, a couple of podiums on the year. It uh, looks like uh, his elevation sickness kind of, kind of caught him last couple races of the year. It will be interesting to see where he goes in the offseason and in 2022. The rumor is Yamaha might be going to try to sign him. And we still don't know if Rockstar will be on Husqvarna. If, uh, but we'll see. Uh, Jason is a still a very talented rider and a former champion. So... Somebody will sign him for sure. Marvin Muskan finishes ninth in points, his worst finish uh, in the points since his rookie season in the class. It, very disappointing for Marvin this year, even though he he won the race, which is going to he got the hundred thousand dollar bonus for that. But overall, Marvin is just a bad year for Marvin. Uh, there's no if ands ands or buts about it. Uh, just weird. Not good starts, crashing all over the place. Even took off his neck brace at some point uh, this year. Uh, it, um, last I heard is KTM maybe wants to sign him to a one-year deal. Might be the last year of his contract. Or he might retire this season. We'll have to see. Uh, I think Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Series will be the big point for him. Joey Savacci, 10th place in points. Made every main this year. If you're the Rocky Mountain KTM team, that's all you're asking of him. He was a solid guy. Obviously, that is a downgrade from Blake Baggett, but uh, Blake has a race win material. Uh, Joey Savacci, this is his first year back from missing an entire season. Uh, he had a great rookie year in a couple years ago on the uh, Kawasaki, but obviously going back to a KTM is going to be much different. And Joey didn't get any good starts this year in the main event, so we'll have to see. Uh, Dean Wilson, 11th in points, missed some mains due to injury and then didn't qualify in one of the Atlantas. Uh, we'll have to see where he goes in 2022. Uh, he said on the Pulp Show he wants to race two more races, or sorry, two more years, but I don't know where he's going to go what team that's going to be. Obviously, he's done the privateer route. Uh, he says he will just have to see what teams are available. If if he has a shot on a secondary team, if I'm Dean Wilson, I, I might just take that for just for just to get on a team if, if I'm Dean. Uh, Chase Sexton, 12th in points for missing the first half of the year after an injury. But showed a lot of speed, got multiple second places, multiple podiums. Outdoors, he does have a shot to win this championship. That That is a fact. And he also has a chance to win the Supercross Championship in 2022. I actually would take him over Roxon. Uh, Brock Tickle, 13th in points. Very consistent year. Uh, there's a, some odd Instagram, Instagram pictures if the MCR Honda team is going to be done. Uh Probably listen to the Racer X Review pod or the Pulp MX show. Probably to get clarification on that today. Uh, Mario Davalos, who announced his retirement, will finish 14th in points. He got leapfrogged by a couple of riders here in the last couple of races. 
Zach Osborne, who got injured, uh, finishes 15th. Uh, Adam Cincerello, who got injured at the same time, fin finishes 16th. Justin Brayton will finish 17th in points. For those right, for Zach Osborne, I guess he just signed a two-year deal. Uh, so that will probably be his final two years of his contract. I, I don't see Zacho winning a championship. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I understand he's a great rider, great personality, but it, it's great to see Husqvarna signing that two-year deal because you know he won that outdoor championship. But I don't see him winning a championship. He struggled this outdoor, or sorry, this last Supercross season, getting one podium. Adam Cincerello. 16th point, or sorry, 16th again. Uh, he was never really healthy this season. So it, it, it was just one of those things where maybe them him getting hurt and sitting out the rest of the season was probably the best thing for him because he was just racing hurt and then got hurt again. So him sitting out until outdoors was probably the best thing for him. Uh, Justin Brayton, 17th in points. It, it's He was kind of mum. And then he did some TV work for Feld in the Race Day Live crew. So we'll have to see if Justin Brayton is done or not. He just had another kid. So we'll have to see. Kyle Chisholm, 19th in points. Uh, no word yet if he is going to race. But he is getting up there in age. Justin Bogle finished 20th in points. Just hung on that bonus money right then and there. I... If I'm... If I'm the Rocky Mountain KTM team, I find a new rider on that post. No offense. Um, Justin Bogle seems a good enough guy, but for 2022, I sign a new guy for that contract because Justin Bogle just keeps missing too many races there. Uh, Max Anstead, I'll be interested to see, you know, finish 21st in points. It'll be interesting to see what he does in outdoors uh, this season because he finished. Uh, 76 points, and he finished most of the. Uh, uh, he finished all, uh, at least half of the Supercrosses, and uh, he's healthy, so it's good to go for him. Notables for the rest of the Supercross season: uh, Tyler Bowers, when he got back to the series, got better and better and better. Better. Uh, Benny Bloss, uh, he got injured. Uh, he uh, will see. I don't think he will be doing much outdoors. He's got to recover. But he doesn't really have a team to race for, so we'll have to see about him. Brandon Hartraft struggled most of the year. He's got to hope that outdoors does better. Kate Clayson apparently uh, made hit the most mains he's ever made. He is actually going to be going to Canada. Uh, they are about to announce their series schedule. We'll see about that. Alex Ray is racing the full outdoor schedule, so... Hopefully he can score some more points than he did last year. Uh, Justin Starling, good for him, man. Good for him. And then anything else? Uh, that, that's about oh, Henry Miller should be racing the full outdoor schedule. I will be going to the Spring Creek Motocross. I should be buying my tickets here shortly. So that was the 450 review. I will be doing a Lucas Oil Pro Motocross uh, preview uh, podcast here in a couple of weeks. Um, all right, let's go through the uh, 250 class. Um, Jet Lawrence 
what can you say? Uh, I'm leaning. I, I wanna. I'm leaning towards Jeremy Martin winning the championship, but I'm having a hard time not picking Jet Lawrence. Uh, Jet Lawrence looked amazing uh, on uh, Saturday Saturday night. Uh, I I kind of had him pick to win on my fantasy team on first lap leader. That didn't work out, but. I had him picked on my fantasy team, and overall, I was thinking that he probably was going to win in general, and he did. Uh, he 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 had the speed. Now Colt Nichols didn't. You know Colt Nichols had the whole shot and got second, and you know Colt didn't really fight Jet to do anything after he passed him. I did notice that Colt was matching his t- pace after Jet passed, which which is good for Colt there, but. Jet is just a talent of unrelenting skill, and it's going to be. I'll say this though: by the time Jet gets to the class 450 class, it's going to be the tailor end of. It's going to be the middle of Chase Sexton's career, the tail end of Adam's career, and the really tail end of of um, Cooper Webb's career. So, either way. Jet looked awesome. He, he actually almost passed. If Joe Shimoda had any worse of a race, he actually almost would have passed Joe in uh, points. But either way, Jet looked awesome. Colt Nichols won the 250 East Coast. Sorry, uh, 250. No, yep, sorry, I don't got that right. 250 East Coast Championship. Uh, pretty much Christian Craig was right there, but uh, Colt was on podiums. Every race of the year, uh, Colt, Colt deserved deserved championship. I guess there was some clarification within the AMA rules. I guess Colt is going to be allowed to return to the 250 class next season. I made this tweet, and I'll also talk about Justin Cooper uh, too. I don't think the uh, I'll just say it. Justin Cooper won the uh, 250 uh, West Coast Championship, even though that he finished ninth. When I tweeted this out, I honestly don't believe when we go to 2022, I don't believe any of these two guys are going to be able to defend this championship because I think Austin Forkner and Jet Lawrence and any of these, or even Hunter Lawrence or McAdoo or Seth Hamaker or any of these guys are actually going to be better than Justin Cooper and Colt. So I don't, so it's going to make basically kind of be like these guys are going to have a like a hard hard time with their 450 negotiations. That's just my opinion. But uh, either way, uh, that's that's just my opinion. But Colt Nichols and Justin Cooper both win their championships as expected. They both had over a 20-point lead. Uh, Hunter Lawrence had a – he got third place. You could tell he went down trying to pass uh, Cameron McAdoo, but you could tell that he was really pushing for – they getting past McAdoo because um, Steve Mathis reported that his bonus uh, was for second place or better. So you could pretty much tell that he wanted second place in the championship. Cameron McAdoo, not fully 100%, gets fourth place. Good for him. Uh, Seth Hamaker didn't have the pace of Jet Lawrence. Uh, Seth was... Second place off the start, but was able to hold off to fifth. Uh, Joe Shimoda got sixth. Pierce Brown, a quiet seventh. Jalik Slow, eighth. Justin Cooper, <laughs> there was a 
There was a very incident in the beginning of the heat race for the 250 West class where Hunter kind of knocked uh, Justin Cooper off the track, which led uh, Justin Cooper had to battle up to eighth place in the heat race. I did not have a problem with that. Didn't hurt him, just took him out slightly. I didn't hear much complaining about it either way. It was a, it was actually a very slick move. Last race of the year, no holes barred. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was the, uh, it was. I guess what Mathis would call it, it was a little greasy, but I wouldn't call it downright dirty. Didn't injure the guy. It was just this slowly forced him off the track. Kyle Peters tenth, Garrett Marchbanks eleventh, Enzo Lopes twelfth, Jarrett Fry thirteenth, Thomas Stowe fourteenth, Michael Moseman. Michael Moseman had a wonderful heat race win. But was uh, MIA in the main event, crashed at the start, didn't really do much at the, after that. Josh Osby, 16th. Joshua Veras, 17th. Cody Shock, 18th. Luke Neese, 19th. Logan Carnell, 20th. Dylan Schwartz, 21st. And Stapleton, 22nd. So when we look at the 250 East points, Colt Nichols will finish first. Joe Shimoda, second. Jet Lawrence, third. Christian Craig, fourth. Michael Mosman, fifth. Joshua Osby, sixth. Joshua Veres, seventh. Thomas Doe, eighth. Mitchell Oldenburg, ninth. Logan Carnell is tenth. And when we look at the uh, 250 points, Justin Cooper is first. Hunter Lawrence is second. Cameron McAdoo is third. Seth Hamaker is fourth. Jalik Swole is 5th, Garrett Marchbanks, Marchbanks is 6th, Nate Thrasher, who didn't win, or sorry, didn't even race, I'll get to that rant here in a minute, uh, finished 7th in the points, Kyle Peters 8th, Cody Shock is 9th, and Mitchell Harrison finished 10th. So, get to Nate Thrasher. I actually almost forgot about this until I just read his name. So, they announced... Yamaha and Star Yamaha announced that Nate Thrasher wasn't racing because of uh, he didn't want a point-out rule. I understand that the point-out rule is the forest riders to not move up. Don't get me wrong. But for fuck's sakes, it's year one for Nate Thrasher. He wouldn't have to ma- possibly move up until 2025. Now, by you doing this, he doesn't probably have to move up till 2026. Why are we doing this? It's year one. The dude might get injured next year. He might If he gets injured, now you might delay this till 2027. You might delay this till 2028. You don't know what's going to happen. The dude might break his neck next year. And, it's, and this might be all for nothing. I don't understand what we're doing here. The dude won two races out of the year. Now, I understand if you want to do it for Jeremy Martin because I, I get it. it. It's crappy. There's no rides in the 450 class, and he's up against the, the clock. I, I get that. He had a broken neck. He wasn't racing 100. Jeremy Martin was a certain circumstance. But guess what? It's year one for Nate Thrasher. Jeremy Martin broke his back. And barely was able to race again. Nate Thrasher is at year one, people. I just, you, you just have to, 
it makes you want to change the rules in the whole 250 class to begin with. Forkner, Forkner is at the point out rule. He could have came back and he wouldn't have pointed out anyway. But he he, he he's he's focusing on outdoors. Do I blame him for not coming back? No, but I just I I don't know. I just I I have no idea what we're doing. We need to change the 250 rules. So I, I and some of it has to do with the team that he's on. I I fully believe that. Somebody really needs to look at Star Yamaha because this is not the first time that Star Yamaha has has done this type of behavior. I I think that they are the most shady business writers of all time. When you look at what they did to Steve Mathis at Pulp MX, I, I, I know that has nothing to do with racing, but just even the business conduct of that. Uh, when you look at the Jarrett Fry situation, Fry, I mean... I understand that the rider may have a, a little bit better racing situation going to that team, but they were able to get, steal him away from Suzuki. I, I mean, uh, how is that even remote? I, I, I don't for business practice purposes. And then when um, Thrasher, even Thrasher, they were looking to get him out of his KTM deal so he didn't have to go to Gas Gas. I, I mean, when you're looking at fine prints of all contracts, just to weasel your way out of things, I, I just, at some point, you look like you just honor the deal instead of just looking at the fine print of everything. Just race your race. R- race your best lineup. I don't see Mitch Payton doing any of this stuff. I don't see Honda HRC doing any of this. I don't see, I don't even see Kate. I understand that people got upset with KTM doing this when Ryan Dungey pulled over, but that you know, that's going for winning the championship. But I don't see KTM doing any of this this shady shit. So I have I do not cheer for any Star Yamaha team at this point at all. I I just I, I have to think at the, at the Yamaha headquarters is this something that they did at some point. I kind of hope that maybe Yamaha. Can they pull the owner aside and say, like, can you stop this nonsense? But maybe they don't care because they signed this new contract for the 450 team. So maybe Yamaha just doesn't care. All right, so that's the ending to this final episode of the uh, Supercross podcast. Um, I will do a uh, LucasOil Pro Motocross preview podcast on uh, riders, how I think it's going to go. That will be closer to how that season is going to go. Next up here, I will do, I just finished up the the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So I will do a review on that. The NFL Draft has come and gone. I will discuss that and the Aaron Rodgers situation in a different podcast. And then um, I did not, the NHRA race is on airing right now so i have not had time to watch that but i will review that as soon as i get done with that so either way lots of pods to do and got the first one out of the way so thank you for listening